This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda Senior Market Analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Jeff Halley, who is Oanda Senior Market Analyst for Asia Pacific. Good morning from London. Jeff, how are you doing? Yeah, good. And good afternoon from, from Asia, covering for, for Craig in the midweek slot. Indeed. And it's going to be a fascinating next 24 hours for central banks on both sides of the Atlantic. We've got the rate decision from the Fed coming up later tonight. And then, of course, tomorrow morning, midday UK time, we've got the same from the Bank of England. What are the markets betting on, Jeff? Yeah, it really is the show with everything but Yul Brynner over the next two days. And in fact, we have a non-farm payroll from the United States on Friday if it just didn't get busy enough for everybody. What we've seen in price action-wise in Asia today, now we have to remember this week there are a lot of holidays in Asia. So China's away today, Japan's away, Indonesia, Malaysia, and a few other countries around the region. So uh, liquidity has been uh, muted and so is volatility. But Asia really does look like it's been in a holding pattern today uh, ahead of the FOMC. All eyes will be on whether the committee raises rates by 0.5% or not. I think the market's priced that in very strongly now, and the, the Fed itself has certainly hinted that over the next three meetings we can expect at least half a percent hikes at each meeting. We saw the jolts, job openings figures come out last night, 11.5 million open positions in uh, the United States. Four and a half million people have resigned to change jobs in the United States in the last month. And the employment cost index, I think, soared to around 6% on Friday. So definitely those inflationary pressures are still there. I think uh, that the risk is, is that the market perceives the statement, which will be more important, the statement that comes out after the rate decision, whether it's hawkish enough or whether it's actually showing some signs that the Fed might be getting nervous in that case, we could see quite an abrupt reversal lower by the US dollar, falling uh, US uh, bond yields, probably get a sharp uh, short-term rally in equities as well. But if they maintain their hawkish mantra, I can see the opposite happening. So it's very much a binary outcome. Uh, when we look uh, towards tomorrow, the Bank of England is also announcing its latest policy decision. Markets are pricing in 25 basis points there. Now, the risk is, is that... Uh, the Bank of England uh, turns out to be more dovish than that. And I think if we see a dovish rate hike, if uh, that makes sense to everybody, and some dovishly hawkish guidance, that sterling is poised to take another move lower and you know it could extend losses towards 120 versus the dollar uh, this week. Conversely, if they do finally uh, get their act together and admit there's an inflation problem despite the war in the Ukraine, uh, there is room, I think, um, for Sterling to perhaps do a corrective rally higher tomorrow. So lots of binary outcomes. Throwing into that, of course, is that we've got uh, oil prices moving much higher in Asia this afternoon, and that has pushed European markets sharply lower this afternoon. And as you say, it's not so much the number, it's the forward guidance that counts, and that will obviously have an effect on currency markets. Do you think that the euro and sterling have recently been rather oversold? No, I don't. I, there's no constructive argument for the euro at the moment. Um, the ECB is quite clearly signalling uh, that they're going to be quite dovish going forward despite soaring inflation. Now, much of that is driven by the situation in Eastern Europe. Uh, you know, They're moving towards a wartime economy, and you can't blame them for that. They're going to have to make some choices. None of them are good, and that seems to be the way they're going. 
that will push the US uh, Europe uh, rate differential wider and I, I believe that will weigh on the euro. Simply put, you could be able to put your money in 10-year ten year bonds at over 3% in the US, but you'll get 0.3% for a 10-year German Bund. So uh, that will be quite a negative headwind. It's a similar sort of situation playing out in the, the UK as well. And when you look at the price action for both sterling and euro, they've both made 100-point rallies in the last few sessions, but they've actually given all of that back by the close of that session. So there's no... Uh, upward momentum there. It's only short-term jolts and then it comes back to where it was, which is basically near the bottom. Additionally, the euro actually did break a trend line at 108 last week, I believe, but that trend line, if you've got a chart that goes back far enough, goes all the way back to 1985. So that was a very significant technical break low for the euro. And as you mentioned earlier, oil is on the up as well, up 3% today so far. And that's very much tied in with the comments from the EU's uh, Ursula von der Leyen, a Russian oil ban by the end of the year. I mean, a few months ago, if anybody had suggested something like that, they'd think you were a little bit mad, but it looks like it's on the cards. Yes, it certainly does. Uh, I'm not quite sure how Russia would respond to that, but I guess their um, extreme option would be limiting flows of natural gas, which Europe is still scrambling to cover as well, and they don't have any good optionality in that respect, uh, thanks to the actions of uh, previous governments and European Union uh, administrations. Uh, Yes, I mean, people keep saying if we've seen the top in oil because China's slowing down. My my outlook is that uh, China will a slowdown in China will cap uh, uh, oil prices, but uh, the ongoing situation in the Eastern Europe will ensure that we don't really see Brent too much lower than hundred dollars a barrel. So uh, I'm looking for a very choppy range between $100 and $120 uh, uh, until we get a development one way or the other, basically. But um, you know, there's so much risk out there regarding uh, energy supplies that uh, you can't really construct a, a, a structurally bearish case uh, for oil at the moment. You really can't. Going back to the rates question, I suppose the big problem for all central banks is whether, for instance, the Fed will be able to tighten policies without tipping the economy into a deep downturn. And it looks like in the UK, we're more wary of that problem than they are in the United States. Or am I wrong? I believe that the with the United Kingdom, the extra factor here is, of course, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. And as it's severely impacting Europe, it will also impact on the UK. And that's what's holding back the Bank of England uh, from 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 being more hawkish than they are. And that's entirely reasonable. I think a lot of central banks around the world are going to have to make some hard choices, growth or an inflation spiral. Uh, I, I believe in Asia, which luckily has started from a lower base inflation, uh, they will choose growth over inflation. A lot of the Anglo-Saxon world, uh, your Canada's, Britain to a lesser extent, United States, Australia, New Zealand, they're going to have to tighten rates because they were the big quantitative easers. And um, to put that genie back in the bottle, it's going to be increasingly difficult uh, not to have some sort of sharp slowdown slash recession. 
Now, there are recessions and recessions, and you know, sometimes they're quite shallow and short, and sometimes they're quite deep and uh, extended. So we, we don't know the answer to that question. But I think as the year goes on, the longer that inflation stays high, the uh, the more chance there is of a, sh a sharp slowdown in, in the United States as the Fed plays catch up. It may very well be at the level of the recession will be much down to what happens in Ukraine. If it carries on, and some are predicting it could go on for years, depending on what happens in terms of uh, energy costs, that could really uh, make the recession deeper, couldn't it? Yeah, and but you know, there's other things here too. I mean, Russia and, and the Ukraine are two of the largest wheat exporters in the world, and we're already seeing stresses in food prices. Now, these uh, these food price rises and energy rises are going to hurt poor countries of the world the most, but we haven't seen the follow-through effects yet of all the food inflation uh, going through the world that's going to happen because of, of this conflict. Then you start stripping out Russian oil, Russian natural gas, Russian industrial metals, and you know we're in an inflationary environment caused by a war, which is what wars often do to commodity prices. So we have a lot of challenges, and I think there's a little bit of complacency in the markets right now about the downstream effects of this uh, Ukraine-Russia conflict, but we haven't seen the end of this story. We never realised how good we had it all those years, did we, uh, Jeff, with the cheap commodity prices. The, the chickens are coming home to roost. In fact, chicken is going to be one of the most expensive things on the menu, apparently. It's going to be the same price as beef. Wow. That's because of the cost of chicken feed. If it gets to lamb prices, I'll be really upset, I must say, as a Kiwi. But yeah. This is another thing about energy. Natural gas is a huge, huge component of making fertilisers in the world and also feedstocks for animals. So nobody realises that natural gas plays this really, really vital part in the global food chain of the world as well. And with less natural gas around, it's going to be challenging to make urea and all these other things that become these secondary products that you're alluding to, plus fertilisers, potash, uh, Russia, I think, and possibly the Ukraine, particularly Russia, is one of the largest exporters of potash in the world as well. So we, we've still got plenty of downstream effects to come, and it could get worse. And you're right, I think we've had 20 years of 0% money with the central banks quantitatively easing at the first sign of trouble, and we've all got used to this debt-financed uh, instant gratification consumerized society, and I believe that we're really resetting the clock back a few decades, I think, and life is going to change for, for people quite a bit more, I, I believe, uh, than what they've been used to over the last few years. OK, well, we will speak again tomorrow and reflect on whatever the central banks decide on both sides of the Atlantic. Jeff, thanks very much indeed. Yeah, hopefully I'll be in a better mood tomorrow because I sound like Dr. Doom at the moment, don't I? But yes, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow um, after we've had both of these uh, very important rates policy decisions. Thanks, Jeff. This is the Oanda Podcast.